Hey, good morning. My name is Kelty. This is a part of our service that we call charitable giving. And it's really an opportunity to do two things. One, it's an opportunity for me to thank you. And to thank you so much for giving of your financial um, abilities during this year to help us fund the things that you see before you and the things that you hear about. And so whether that's making sure that we can show up on a Sunday, whether here in person or in your home and bringing that to you, making sure that the band has the right equipment, making sure that when we go out into the community, we're able to support the community in the way we want. If you would like to donate to French Church, there's a couple of really easy ways to do that. One, if you're here in person, there's a black box at the back of the room. Feel free to drop your envelope in that black box and we'll get you a tax receipt. Even easier than that, whether you're here or not, is right on your phone or on your computer. Go to the French Church website or go to our app. You can click Donate and you can set yourself up either as a one-time gift or you can do it on an ongoing basis. Um, and that really helps us out as an organization because then we kind of know how much money we have to, to work with for the year and we can work within our means. So thank you so much for your donations this year. But don't worry, this is only the first of two financial asks I'm going to make of you today. In the middle, though, I'm going to soft pedal it with a little talk about Christmas Eve. So on Christmas Eve, we're having two services, one at 4 o'clock and one at 6 o'clock. Those are mandatory registration. It's really easy to register, so while you're on the site planning your donation, click on over to the Christmas Eve service and you can sign up there so that we'll know you're coming. Um, there will be limited capacity in each of those, but we hope by offering two services we'll be able to accommodate everybody who wants to come. So please do that. All right, the second promised um, financial ask I'll make of you. So how many of you guys have watched or do watch TED Talks from time to time? I love TED Talks. In 20 minutes, I get this like super inspiring message that makes me want to leave and be a better person, makes me learn things, think about myself. I think about that, and at work a couple of years ago, we had a competition where you had to do a TED Talk if you wanted to sign up. It was only five minutes, and I worked really hard. I probably worked for six weeks on my speech. Um, and it was five minutes long. And it was not all that inspiring, I'm sure of it. It probably hit the like bare minimum threshold of a TED Talk, but was not all that inspiring. Yet, you know, I come here every Sunday or listen online, and it's like a freaking TED Talk every time. It hits it out of the park. Every week, there is a message that somehow lands for me. And whether it's like it's speaking right to me, which is pretty often, or speaking about it, something I'm dealing with at work or with my family or with friends or with my children. And every week it inspires me to want to leave here and be a better person. I know how hard it is to do those messages. I'm not good at them. The people of this organization are stellar. And whether that's standing up here every week and giving you a message that has you leaving here wanting to be a better person, whether that's downstairs with the kids program, in terms of teaching your kids really important and interesting things in a casual environment to do that, whether that's the switch program with teens, where every single time that they get together, they leave feeling inspired and wanting to do something else, or whether, frankly, that's some of the back-end stuff that you guys don't see but makes this place run super smoothly. The team at French Church aims to inspire. It aims to have all of us walk out of here wanting to be better people, and I think it hits it. So if sometime this year, or multiple times this year, a message, an email, a nod, something sweet happened to you that you want to say thank you for, and you have the financial means to do it, we're doing a staff offering. 
In that same place I told you you could donate for Friends Church, you can also donate to the staff offering. And that goes directly to the staff as a way of saying thank you for the amount of time, energy, and effort that they put in day in, day out, not just on Sundays, all year long, every month. And so if you have the means and want to be able to do that, please take advantage of that option. You can also, if you're here in person, do it at the black box. Um, We'll be collecting those until the end of this year. Um, But while I'm here and standing here and reminding you, feel free to pull out your phone and do it right now. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Sunday. You know, a lot of uh, Christmas songs tend to be the real happy variety. And then there's some that just feel a little bit more real. You know what I mean? This song, actually, if you really look at the lyrics, is a very sad song. Um, I don't know, when I, when I listen to it, I pay real close attention. It seems like it's, it's a song of a woman. And Hey, it might be a man too, it could be, but traditionally sung by women. And uh, she just seems to be running away, wanting to run away, wanting to skate away. After losing someone who tried desperately to love her, she said, this guy, he tried loving me. But for whatever reason, it seems she sabotaged the relationship. She says, I was hard to handle. I was selfish and sad. I made my baby, my lover, cry. Some songs are written, you don't really know all that was going through the songwriter's mind, but to me, this was a person who was tormented, perhaps controlled by her own ghosts. She didn't even understand. She, they just, they were doing things inside of her, making her react to the people in her world, people she loved, and pushing them away, sending them away. When I listen to the song, I just feel this deep regret, this sense of almost giving up. You know, in those words, I just want to skate away. I just, I just want to go away. You know, sadly for many, this is a common experience. In our line of work, we end up talking with a lot of them. Amazingly, at this time of year, when we're singing about peace on earth and goodwill to all. Talking to many people who, it seems, no matter how hard they've tried, something happens and they feel this overwhelming anxiety perhaps, feelings of being out of control. There's uh, many will speak of this mental fog that begins to move in and just start scrambling thoughts, making it so difficult to focus on the present moment. They just start getting lost in something they don't even understand. I know some who can't even help but find themselves constantly scanning they, they sense danger. They, they can't stop it. They just feel like something is about to happen. Maybe there's some kind of danger. Maybe there's rejection that's right around the corner. And all their senses are up. They're just in this state of alarm. Some talk about re- reoccurring nightmares, flashbacks. 
Some will get to the point where there's just a sense of hopelessness, where they're just, they're trying not to act out these ways, but they can't seem to stop it. And it's just like, they start talking like this song, I just want to skate away, just done. What do you do when it feels like you can't seem to stop doing, saying, reacting in ways you don't want to act? No matter what you do, though, nothing seems to work. Nothing seems to get traction where you stop it. Over the years, we've talked with so many who have found themselves in this state. They've tried everything within their power to heal themselves. They prayed, they believed, they've tried different things. They willed themselves. They said, this is the day, this is the week, this is, this is my new start. I'm going to be different. I'm, I'm sorry, baby. I'm not going to do this anymore. Only to see themselves again in the pattern, again in the pattern. What do you do? Who are you supposed to turn to when you just can't seem to stop yourself from reacting to certain things and in the process hurting yourself and others? Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about proactive ways that we can break out of some of the subconscious patterns that likely we've been falling into since we were young. For many, it's exciting because just some increased self-awareness of the patterns. We've talked about childhood wounds, some of the stuff that maybe originated, started the tracks for some of the patterns we typically fall into. For many, just understanding where maybe some of it was coming from and then practicing some self-awareness around it is enough for some to be able to make some noticeable, constructive, healthy changes where people start catching themselves about to fall into it. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that again. No, no. And it's exciting. It's exciting when people start going, I, I, I actually can feel myself starting to turn the ship a bit. I, I can feel myself changing. That was who I am. I, I think I'm becoming someone a little different. They'll have family members saying this. You are different. I could, you would have always done, and now you're, this is amazing. And so there's celebration needed. But there are some of us who are giving our best efforts doing these kinds of things, but they won't be enough to break free of the control that some ghosts, some trauma from our past still have over us. Where that ghost came from, what happened to have caused it to have such power over us Well, there's a million reasons that we could pull from that likely your story has within it. Now, this isn't everyone. This will be some here, or this will be someone you know. 
someone that you love or that you're trying to love. For someone, it may have been an act of abuse. Perhaps something tragic happened, a car accident you witnessed, a premature death for some. It could have been an infidelity. It could have been a betrayal of some kind. Maybe there was a break-in in your home, a crime that was committed against you. For some, it's a huge, there was a huge humiliation or a hurt by a loved one. I mean, I could go on and on the list of different ways these ghosts enter our lives. It's trauma. Regardless of where and how and what, here's the thing. In the process, it created some kind of stored memory in your psyche or in their psyche. The insidious thing about these stored memories, no matter how long ago they happened, it could have been 30, 40, 50 years ago. They have this power to continue to send signals to our minds, to our bodies, to our souls that we're in danger. Something's about to happen. Oh, 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 here we go again. Here we go again. There's still some kind of, so it sends up the threat. Radar. So in this moment, you begin to feel panic. You begin to feel anxiety. Maybe you start to get upset stomach. Maybe you start getting angry, irritated, agitated. And really, if you could separate yourself, you would look around and there would be no rational reason for what you're feeling. That's the insidious part of this. People on the outside looking at you going, what the hell? Are you, what? What just happened? Sadly, so many who are struggling in these ways are doing it very secretly. As secretly as they can keep it but they don't know where to turn for help, for constructive guidance. So what happens, they end up, we end up turning to things to just try to numb our emotional reactions, to numb the pain, the anxiety, the discomfort, the dark. Some will turn to pharmaceuticals, some will hit the bottle, some will shop, some will gamble, sex. Some will engage in some form of self-harm. Teenagers known for cutting. This is just ways to try to cope with some type of internal pain. They don't even know where it's coming from or what's going on. Some will overeat and overeat, not realizing the connection. Anything they can find to dull the pain, the discomfort, the terror that can fall in these moments. Let me just say, if this is you this morning, or if this is someone that you know very closely, I'm hoping I can offer a little bit of practical help today. I want to offer some potential next steps that can lead you or that person to freedom. I want to talk about where you can go I want to talk about who you might want to talk to, what can be done. Obviously, this is a massive subject. This is way over my pay grade. 
way over. So I'm going to fly at a high level. I'm not going to pretend to be some expert. I have done a pile of work researching through this stuff. Because this, in my mind, this is, this is must-need to know information, I think, for every one of us. Because it might be you, if it isn't yet. It might be a child of yours. It could be a close friend of yours. But I tell you, when that phone rings, or when that moment comes, you, you want to know a next step. You want to know something. This morning, I want to lean on the work of a renowned trauma expert. His name is Dr. Basil van der Kolk. He wrote a groundbreaking work called The Body Keeps the Score. I've spent the last couple months just wading through this. It's, it's a book that is so often referenced by so many different authors and researchers and people in this field. It's one I could highly recommend, but in his words, everything that I'm talking about this morning, the challenge of uprooting the power of a ghost in your life, power of trauma, the challenge of this thing is to reestablish ownership of your body and your mind, of yourself, to take back control. Because these ghosts own you. They'll own you when they want to. And this means feeling free to know what you know, to feel what you feel without becoming overwhelmed, without becoming enraged, without becoming ashamed, without becoming, like, without collapsing. And by that, what I mean is most of the ghosts that revisit in these moments that are unexpected, unplanned, unwanted. They're coming from some event, some place, something that's gone down that we want to pretend doesn't exist. Oftentimes, we run from that memory because it's painful. We run from stuff in our lives because when we think about it, it it recreates the dark feelings we had originally. Now, whether this is you or someone you know, again, you just, you need to know this is why we run from this stuff. Recovery from these things, recovery from these reactions involves us being able to have the freedom to actually revisit that, to know what we actually know down deep, what our psyche knows went down, to face it, to feel it even, without it shutting us down. For most people, that process involves four things. There are four things that we've actually been referencing over the last three weeks prior to this, in this Cracks in Our Foundation series. One is we need to find a way to remain calm and focused, period. Vince talked about this last week in emotional regulation, learning how to calm yourself. Many people have very little control over this. Something happens that upsets you, to be able to regulate in the middle of that is, is nearly impossible. That is one big piece of being able to recover. Secondly, learning to maintain the calm, especially when experiencing things that are triggering you, that remind you of whatever that thing was. Most people can't even draw the connection. They're just, they smell something, they hear something, someone says something that's similar, and all of a sudden they're in that state. 
So despite hearing, smelling, seeing, experiencing whatever it is, being able to go, oh, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. That's number two. Number three, finding a way to be fully alive in the present and engaged with people around you. Ghosts take us out of the moment and have us living constantly over the shoulder what's going to happen next or what happened way back. Most people that are controlled by their ghosts are, are distracted in living in a mental fog. And if you know someone or if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're talking about the lights are on, but man, they're, they're fading in and out of consciousness. They're there, they're talking, but they're not there. Number four, not having to keep secrets from yourself including secrets about the ways that you have managed to survive. We've been talking about seeing your patterns, raising awareness to see what you've actually been doing to try to get your needs met, what you're doing to hack the system in destructive or constructive ways to survive. We've all used different coping methods and ways to get what we need that our ego has told us you need to would impress people, you need to control, you need to, whatever it is, recovery from our ghost requires us to see the patterns. As we become more and more aware of these things, we begin to slowly begin to learn new, healthier ways of doing it. That's flying at a high level. That's kind of the goal being able to uproot this stuff and not have to skate away, but actually walk right into the middle of whatever it is. Say, let's deal with this. In order to do those things, to recover, Vanderkolk points to some critical things. And, and I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna walk through these things, and uh, it, this is gonna be a little bit clinical today. And for some who are right here, I know you'll be, you'll be paying very close attention, but if for whatever reason you're sitting here going, ah, I'm really, I would beg you, it could be tomorrow when you're wishing you had paid attention. Vanderkolk points to the role that relationships play in the process of becoming free from our ghosts relationships are so key. For those who have experienced some kind of event that still has power over us, your recovery will demand relationships. You, need, you can't do this in isolation. You can't break free of this. Whether that's with a loved one or loved ones, or the people you'll meet in a recovery group or some kind of support group, it could involve friendships that you'll make in a community like this where you're part of, of something and you, all of a sudden you start to feel these people coming around you and you're going, oh, I think these are safe people I can talk to. Many, for many, it will require a partnership with some form of therapist. But relationships are key, especially those that can provide safety from feeling shamed or judged. Because that's what keeps all of this hidden. When you feel like someone is actually able to just listen and understand, oh man, that is more valuable than gold. 
but not just to listen and understand, to bolster courage, to be able to, to fight for you, to say, come on, let's face that thing. Whatever it was, I know you're running, let's face it, come on, let's go. And to, to bolster your courage, to look into the dark and go, oh, I don't want to go there. No, no, you need to, let's go. Much of the wiring of our brain circuits is devoted to being in tune with others. It, it, that's how we're wired, is this connection with others. So a major part of recovery and healing from some trauma, some stuff that went down, it involves reconnecting with people in your lives because the ghosts remove us. They disconnect us. They push us away from people. They leave people pushing themselves away from us. Recovery brings them closer. You have to find someone you can trust enough who will accompany you. And we want to help in that any way we can, whether it's linking you with someone or being a source of support. You need someone who isn't afraid of your darkest rage, someone who can safeguard your wholeness while you explore these fragmented experiences that you've likely worked so hard to keep secret even from yourself. You need to be able to figure out a way to piece together the story and tell it. The problem is in that. As people begin to face whatever it was, something begins to happen internally. When people recall something that went down, went sideways in their life, something that just caused them a lot of pain, when they go back and they begin to acknowledge the event, often what happens is they get engulfed. It's sensory overload emotional elements that come back and it's like, it's flooding. It, you, you begin to relive the pain, relive the heartbreak, relive the embarrassment, the humiliation, the shame. It, it's, you, you, to face it, it comes with everything that you experienced in that moment. That's why most people will not go back. They don't want to. When this happens, Brain scans tell us that two key areas of the brain go blank. One is the area that provides a sense of time and perspective. Time stamps get wiped. So when you're going back and you're reliving some of this stuff, when you're just going back and facing it and thinking about whatever happened, your brain loses the ability to say, that was 30 years ago, pal. Relax. That goes away. All of a sudden, it feels like you're in it. You've seen movies. If you haven't experienced this, you see it watched as people have all of a sudden are so triggered. It's like, ah, ah, they're panicking. They're there. It feels like they're there. That's the brain wiping out that ability to separate time and space. Another area that gets tripped is the part that integrates sound and image and sensation of trauma into a coherent story. It's not all linear. All of a sudden, they're, just, they're, they're feeling all these fragmented things. And, and, and it has no rhyme or reason. It's just coming at them. 
when that begins to happen, there's a part of the brain, these two things, just like a, a triggered, a, a breaker gets switched, just lights out, and parts of the brain just goes quiet. This is a frustrating piece of the process of recovery, the challenge of recovery. Because they know that in order for us to move past the ghosts, we need to keep all parts of our brain online. We need to be fully alert to be able to face all this stuff, to be able to loosen the power of these things. The question has been, how can we get people to go back to face these things, to look at it all, to look at it not just with the emotion, but with the logic and go, oh, maybe that's why that happened. And, oh, and, and, and be able to look at it in a constructive way and go, yeah, and that was 30 years ago. And I'm safe now. I've moved on. I don't have to be. How can we get people to go back and do that and keep all parts of the brain online? Over the past few decades, the prevailing treatment taught to psychology students has been some form of systematic desensitization without getting technical or anything. It's just helping patients to be less reactive to certain emotions and sensations so that they can work it through. How can we do that? How can we lower the emotional reaction to keep them here to be able to process? This is where something known as CBT was thought to be able to be effective. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Anyone heard of that? CBT? It's one form of psychotherapies and there are many and I'm not promoting one over the other. There are no golden bullets. But this was one thought to be really effective to help people get past their ghosts. It was developed to treat phobias like a fear of spiders or a fear of heights or flying. And really it was designed to kind of help patients compare their irrational fears with harmless realities bring someone in the room and show them a picture of a spider and they, they freak out and they're going, no, no, see, that's just a piece of paper. They would talk, tell a story about something that would trigger emotional responses and then they'd say, no, see, you're safe right now. It's just this constant work of being help, helping them see things that would normally trigger them and then showing them, no, actually, you're safe. They would do it with virtual reality, put some goggles on it, Soldiers returning from Iraq take them right into a war zone that would have been familiar down in Fallujah. Reenact a battle scene on the goggles. And all of a sudden, the soldier is getting tripped up, is, is having these emotional reactions. All of a sudden, the lights come on and they go, see, you're here. You're safe. What are they trying to do? They're trying to separate. That was then. This is now. You were unsafe there, but you're safe now. You're okay. What ends up happening? Well, the hope was you expose them to enough of these things that would normally trigger them, and all of a sudden they become less and less sensitive to it. They become desensitized. Makes sense. Now, they found this treatment to be very effective in alleviating fear and anxiety. Unfortunately, they found it less effective with some of the more complex emotions guilt. We get talking about 
psychotherapy. We've, we've talked about different elements of psychotherapy even here on Sunday. We're not psychotherapists. We don't pretend to be. We have great psychotherapists that we know that are part of our, even our community. We often have people coming and asking us, where could I go? Do you have a good recommendation? The truth is, we have a number of great recommendations. But there are many dis- different disciplines. There are many different types of therapy, each having their own strength that is designed sp- to do certain things. And part of the therapy requires a relationship with that therapist. There's a number of different things that are needed to make that thing effective. If you're here this morning and you're going, oh my God, I, 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 need, the, I need to do something. Well, we can recommend some. The truth is, there have been many people that we've recommended therapists to, and it didn't work out. So I just want to offer some quick advice. You go looking for a therapist. Maybe you have someone that's saying, you need to see this person. Great. Chase it down. But there's some questions that you should be willing to ask that are, I think, wise to ask. One, are there, what are the specific therapeutic techniques you, you use? You can ask a therapist this on the front end. Do you have any experience treating what I'm working through right now? You can ask that question. Have you had much success? Have you experienced this personally? What are the goals of your therapy? You can ask that. How long should I expect to be in treatment? What metrics do you use to define success in this thing? Um, Like, what if I'm not satisfied with this? What do we do? Will medication be recommended? Is that where this is going? Very healthy questions to ask on the front end. Let me keep moving. Vanderkolk talks about pharmaceuticals a lot and the role that they've played. This follows along this line of the strategy of desensitization. Really, pharmaceuticals have been designed to blunt or desensitize the emotions. I was reading the U.S. Department of Defense and Veteran Affairs. These are the, this is the department that's trying to take care of all these soldiers returning from battle zones, dealing with their own ghosts. They spent over a decade, four and a half billion dollars on antidepressants, antipsychotics, and anti-anxiety medication for these soldiers. And they're looking at it all and they're going, it's not curing the ghosts. It's just simply numbing the emotions. It can only dampen the expressions of a disturbed psyche. It doesn't fix it. It can help to control your feelings and behavior, but it always comes at a price. I'm not discouraging pharmaceuticals because it's, ha- it's helped people function. But oftentimes, while knocking out the pain or the, or the anxiety or the stress, it also knocks out the pleasure it also knocks out the motivation. Likely we all know someone that said, I had to get off the medication, I was just turning into a zombie. Yeah. Having said that, and I I will just remind you that some drugs have been exactly what is needed to help people through some of the darkest times, and still do. 
Prozac, Zoloft, Effexor, Paxil. I mean, the, the list of medication that has been prescribed and that has been helpful for some, for different ones, has been necessary and important. I'm not discouraging it, but it is not the cure for the ghosts. Sadly, some people have stopped once they got the medication in the journey. What was really interesting in my research in, over this thing for trying to talk or to learn how to speak to those people who need something more was this area of psychedelics. How many have just even heard about the role of psychedelics in terms of mental health? Yeah. Um, if you've been watching mainstream media, shoot, I just watched Nine Perfect Strangers. Netflix, anyone? Nicole Kidman? Interesting. Fascinating. The role of magic mushrooms on helping people deal with former stuff. The growing body of research on this area is it's, it's mind-blowing, actually. Uh, for years, for example, MDMA. Anyone familiar with MDMA? Also known as ecstasy or molly. Rave drugs, man. They were passing this out. Big raves, dance parties. You, a lot of the... <laughs> anyway, I won't go in. Uh, anyways, and <laughs> I just, this is fascinating stuff. But in the year 2000, a researcher down in South Carolina received FDA permission to revisit this. Now, this is an illegal drug. It's a recreational drug that isn't legal to just be passing around. This researcher got permission from the FDA to conduct some experiments. First one he did, they knew that MDMA seems to decrease fear and defensiveness and numbing. It actually enlivens your inner experiences, enhances your emotion while decreasing fear. Fascinating. So their thinking is, geez, could this help people who are struggling with some form of trauma? So the first study was with some combat veterans, firefighters, police officers, struggling with PTSD. And it showed very positive. Am I there? Oh, there I am. Um, it, 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 they were shocked, actually, initially. And they, it was just such a preliminary study, they went, whoa, there's something here. So they embarked on another study, only this time it was with 20 victims of assault who had been unresponsive to previous forms of therapy. Now, I don't know if you'll find this fascinating, but I, I, I would, couldn't believe this. 20 people involved in the study, 12 of them they picked to use MDMA. The other eight were given placebo. They were laid down in a comfortable position in a room where they they, each of them received two eight-hour psychotherapy sessions um, using another form, IFS, interfamily systems therapy, just another form of therapy. Two months later, 10 of the 12 patients who received MDMA plus psychotherapy were considered completely cured. Two months. No adverse side effects. Of the eight that received psychotherapy but didn't have any MDMA, two of the eight showed incredible improvement. Two out of eight. Ten out of twelve. Since that time, the body of growing research 
and the funding that's accompanying it. It, it is astounding. They believe we're onto something here that could help people go back and process their ghosts while keeping them online. The most common of the psychedelics that are being heavily promoted now, obviously besides MDMA, psilocybin, that's magic mushrooms, it's chemical found in magic mushrooms. Libogaine is another one, something called ayahuasca, uh, which contains what they call the God molecule. If you've read Time magazine, it's talked a lot about a DMT. Uh, this is very popular down in South America, but it's happening all over. Don't be kidding yourself. Not legal here, but it, just like all these other things, people are checking this out. In Calgary, we have companies that are formed that right now are doing all the research, trying to get clinical studies to the point where they can release this stuff. Anyways, we're going to be revisiting this again and again, because I think where there's smoke, there's fire, there might be something here. I know pastors, actually, who are now guiding people through these psychedelic trips to help them deal with stuff in their past, and they swear by it. This is mind-blowing to me. I'm just like, whoa, maybe another chapter of Friends Church down the road. We don't know. (laughs) Another form of therapy that many have benefited from, and I know from right within our own community, and we've even talked about it on stage, is something known as body work. Body work, body work practitioners. This ties into the body of research that has emerged in the last couple decades that shows the ongoing, how ongoing chronic stress that often is created by these ghosts from our past, this trauma that's unresolved. The link between this chronic stress and unresolved trauma and physical health they already now can say cancer can be result of this stuff that goes unresolved. Digestive systems that are thrown completely into the crapper. They can list all these different diseases that people are facing. They're going, yeah, you don't deal with this stuff in your, and it has a way of now taking over your body. These bodywork practitioners can literally, by touching your body, they can feel where trauma is being stored in your body. Many people are not connecting the dots. I don't know, I just, my neck is so tight, my shoulders, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These bodywork practitioners, they lit- they've learned one of the most natural ways to be able to calm the nervous system is by touching, by hugging, by rocking. Bodywork picked up on all of this and said, by firm pressure applied to the body and picking up the sensations, we're helping people become awake and alive to what's going on in their body and where it might be coming from. They work backward. Understanding the vagus nerve, the nerve that runs from your brainstem all the way down to your gut, has been instrumental. Polyvagal theory, maybe you've heard of this, has all these tentacles. It goes into your heart, into your lungs, in, right down to your genitals, everywhere in the body. They're beginning to recognize how, when there's stress, this system, this vagus nerve, sends signals to your entire body, different parts, shutting things down, creating problems, alerting your body, we are under threat, shut down now. This is, all this theory that's coming online now is exposed 
explaining why the body reacts so swiftly when we're stressed. Why you hear your ex walking into the room. All of a sudden, it's like your heart begins to race. What the heck? You feel panicked, all of a sudden you're short of breath. All these connections, the threat to the way your body is reacting. Even a certain smell can provoke a dark memory that then incites panic and the heart's racing. It's all connected. We're learning this. Body work picks up on this. Mindful touch and movement that grounds people, allowing them to discover where in your body something might be stored and how to release that thing. One other option to consider is to turn to a support or recovery group of some sort. These are amazing because of how cost-effective they are. Do you know how sad it is for us when we listen to people that were saying, oh, I was making such progress in therapy, but I ran out of money. I can't afford that. And it's like it ends. These groups now, and especially with the internet, being able to go online, you can be a part of a support group that's originating from some part of the southern states, Europe, like all over. And the access, night and day, no one needs to be locked out of a group, whether it's recovery or support. People, and you know, the beautiful thing about this is you get into a group who, who as you tell your story, everyone in that group is going, oh, me too, me too. Someone begins to share some kind of learning and, and you're going, what, I didn't know that was even a the collective peer learning that can go on in these groups is amazing. And the friendships. I know there are people in this community who come with a pack of people because you met these people in a recovery or support group where you were all working through the similar things. And now the spiritual journey has just become an extension of your growth and your recovery. You walk in here and you're not alone. You're looking at people and they're going, I know where you've been. And they're looking at you and going, I know where you've been. And we're here. And we're making progress. These these support and recovery groups can be unbelievable in that regard. But they do have their limitations. The amount of specific guidance and focused work on on your own personal challenges is limited. Obviously, in a group setting, you can't just laser in and focus on your story only. Sometimes what worked for someone else in the group isn't going to work for you. You've got to sift through all that too. A little bit of trial and error. There will likely be things in that group that you won't feel safe sharing for whatever reason. But being vulnerable and opening up about all of it is important. So support group might not do it all, but it is a great option. Well, I just walked you through some of the stuff that I've learned. It's heartbreaking when we come through a series like this Cracks in the Foundation and we're seeing the people that are going, yes, this is... And then we see the other people that are in this blank stare looking off on the side of the room going, I just want to skate away. My God, if that's you today. We need to help. We want to help you. You got someone in your life right now who is underwater. We need to help. Let me first talk to you 
today who may be listening to this, whether it's here in person or online, and you're going, I, I'm in trouble. This message was meant to be the most loving, most non-judgmental kick in the pants. To say, please take another step. Don't, don't skate away. Come on, we want to help. Let's, let's take another step. And there's a number to choose from. You need someone to come alongside. We are here to help you take that step, whatever that is. Don't skate away. Maybe you're here today and you might know someone or maybe you'll be the one who eventually hears something from someone you love who needs help. I'll just say this. Number one, you go easy. Maybe someone right now feels like they're just pushing you away. They just keep doing that thing. They're just just so frustrated. You're just saying, you know what, screw you. Can I just beg you to just go easy? Encourage them to take another step. Introducing some of the stuff or even just taking another step, man, it's got to be their choice. But man, you can, you can invite them. You can tell them, I'm here and I will go with you. I will, I will be right here. Be that person. At the end of January, I'm going to do a book study. I just decided this on that book that I've recommended a couple times throughout this series called How to Do the Work by Nicole LaPera. If, if you're on this journey, if you're going, man, I've got a lot of work to do, but you just would like to maybe do this in a non-threatening book study environment every couple weeks, I'd like to invite you to join me. I've got some work to do. Well, I've got a lot of work to do. But I like doing it with other people, and I think there might be others that can benefit from this. If that's you, reach out to me, jeff at friendschurch.ca. I'd love to, I can only, it's going to be a limited group, but boy, if it goes well, this might become a fixture of this community where we offer this, helping people walk through their own stuff. All right, I'm done. May we all take a bold step some way this week to loosen the grip that these ghosts have on our lives. Be free. Because that's the good news. We can be free. You can be free. Look at, I I know the music's starting. I I just want to say one other thing. I want to thank you. I want to thank each of you that participated in that Christmas hamper project. Um, You give so much and so much more than we even need it. So we're, we're in this surplus like we got this big chunk of cash sitting in the bank. After all was said and done, after all those gifts were given, more money came in than we were able to give out to those families, which was amazing, amazing. So we found another organization, another beautiful, it's called Umoja. Umoja? 
And they are reaching out to immigrant families who are new to Calgary, who are some of the most vulnerable people literally in our society right now. Um, they're in touch with about 600 immigrant families. But we told them, we got, we got a lump of cash here. We'd like to help. They said, we've got 60 of all the families that we're tied into, 60 who are so vulnerable right now. They are. They are just barely surviving. The beautiful thing about this, it's like a food bank for immigrants. So they source food that these people actually know how to cook, that they're familiar with. Oftentimes, the hampers that get handed out, they're looking at them and they don't even know what to do with half this stuff. Umoja gets them the food that they know that they can actually cook. So we're going to give, taking a big lump of cash, we're buying gift cards and we're going to help them. Umoja said, if you can get gift cards in their hands, we show them how and where we're accessing this stuff and they're on their, on their way. So I'm all just saying that to say thank you um, but I know that there were some that since asked, going, oh, is it too late for the Christmas hampers or whatever? If that is you, and you'd like to, to contribute to this, we're going to be doing this just prior to Christmas. Help these families out. It's not too late. You can go on exactly to our push pay, our website. You can click donate. And on there, you'll see Umoja 60 gift card project. You can donate to that. Um, I mean, we're just so proud of you guys that you're making our world better. Thank you for believing this vision. This is what it's all about. All right. All right, I'm done. Shit, I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm glad this topic is done, man. This has been a big series, and I applaud all of you who have been doing your work in the middle of it and reaching out and talking through some of the stuff you're doing. May we be a healthy community that continues. It stops the generational patterns and lives healthier and he healthier. Uh, we all owe it to ourselves and to our world. Have a great week, everyone. Uh, our prayer is you will make some big choices this week. And Merry Christmas. Hey, we'll see you Christmas Eve, four and six. Four and six, get signed up. It'll be a great time. All right, peace out. <laughs>